everyone. Welcome back to another episode of The Far Side of Midnight. And I'm Roderick, and I'm going to be doing something a little bit different. So when I first started this podcast, originally, the idea was to have chats and discussions about mysteries, occult, metaphysical kind of subjects. But I want to do mythology and folklore Folk legends and things like that as well. I want to basically read short stories. That's another type of um, thing I wanted to do on here for a while. So in tonight's episode, I'm going to be doing that. This will be the first time for me to do it. I'm going to be reading three short stories. And every week I want to introduce a different type of folk legend or mythology. So I want to read things from ancient Greece ancient Greek folklore, Egyptian folklore, Indian, subcontinent folklore, African. I mean, I just want to cover all of it as much as I can because I love the oral traditions and storytelling traditions are extremely interesting and they're very important for every culture. Every culture has some sort of oral tradition. Some are more popular than others, but all of them are equally, have equal value in my opinion. So Tonight, I am going to be reading out of a book, three short stories, and they're Chinese folk legends. And the book that I'm reading from is called Chinese Fairy Tales and Fantasies, and it is translated and edited by Moss Roberts. And I love this book. I've had it for probably about five or six years now. I don't really remember, but... um. The pages have acid damage, a sign of a well-loved book, and they're just full of really amazing stories, and I just love Chinese folk legend. So I'm going to be reading a story here in a bit called A Girl in Green. And yeah, again, these are short stories, so just get comfortable and sit back, relax, and let's take a journey to ancient China. A girl in green. A student called Sung from Itu Shantung was studying in the Temple of Sweet Springs. One night, when he was reciting aloud over his open books, a girl appeared outside his window. How diligently young master studies, she said admiringly. As Sung wondered how such a maiden came to dwell in the mountain depths, she had already come smiling into the room. Such diligence, she repeated. Sung rose, surprised. She was graceful and dainty, green-bloused and long-gowned, though he sensed that she might not be human. Sung questioned her about her hometown. Can't you see I'm not going to bite you? Why bother with all these questions, she replied. Greatly attracted, Sung shared his bed with her that night. When she took off her gossamer jacket, her waist was so slender that two hands could enclose it. Later, as the last night drum sounded, she fluttered away and was gone. She came every evening after that. Once, when they were having wine together, her conversation revealed a knowledge of music. Your voice is so bewitching, Sung said. If you would compose a song, it would melt my heart. For that very reason, replied the maiden, 
I must not sing. He pleaded, and she explained, Your serving maid would not begrudge you the song. But what if someone should hear? Still, if you insist, I can only show you my poor skills. Just a whispered sign of affection. As she sang, she tapped her tiny foot lightly upon the couch. No butcher bird must catch this slave girl midnight song. No chill night dew can stay me from keeping my lord company. Her voice was a fine hum, the words barely audible, but to the absorbed listener, the movement of the melody was lissom and ardent, affecting the heart as it touched the air. When the song was over, she opened the door and peered outside. I must make sure that no one is out there. She looked all around Sung's chamber before re-entering. What makes you so anxious, he said. The proverb, a ghost that steals into the world fears all men, applies to me. Then she went to bed, but she was still uneasy. The end of our relationship may be at hand, she said. Sung pressed her for an explanation. My heart is restless, she told him. I sense danger. My life will end. Sung tried to calm her. Such flutters of the heart are normal, he said. You do not jump to conclusions. The maiden seemed relieved, and they embraced again. Then the water clock had run dry, and it was morning. The maiden put on her clothes and got out of bed. She was about to open the door, but walked back and forth instead. Finally, she returned to him. I don't know why, she said, but fear is in my heart. Please see me out. The youth arose and escorted her outside. Keep an eye on me, she said. You may go back after I get over the wall. Sung agreed. He watched as she rounded the corridor, then could see her no more. Sung was about to return to bed when he heard her cry out desperately. He rushed toward the sound, but there was no sign of her, only a noise under the eaves. Looking carefully, he saw a spider the size of a pellet with something in its clutches that made a whining sound. Sung broke the web, picked out the object, and removed the threads that bound it. The captive was a green bee on the verge of death. He took it into the room where it rested on, on his desk for a long while. When the bee was able to walk, it slowly climbed to the inkwell and pitched itself in. Then it crawled out and walked back and forth until it formed the word, thanks. The bee stirred its wings and with a last effort flew out of the window, ending their relationship forever. Wow, the end. <laughs> So I'm really curious what everybody thinks of that. That is, um, to me, that's a story of impermanence, something that's very prevalent in the Buddhist tradition, that things come in life and things go, but we must uh, appreciate them while we have them. You know, um, and this mysterious woman who happened to be a part of nature was teaching some impermanence. That's what I kind of got out of it. So it's a very important lesson to live life in a moment. 
because we never know what's going to happen. So he enjoyed a beautiful song. Every song has a beginning and every song has an ending to it. So it's really, really cool. It's a very interesting story. I don't know if that, if the whoever authored that story wanted to express that, but that's kind of what I got, got from it, really. I'm going to have to look it up because I don't know how old the story is, but um, I'm going to go ahead and read another story. A tiger caught a fox. The fox said, you wouldn't dare eat me. The gods in heaven have made me the leader of all animals. It would be a violation of the gods' mandate for you to make a meal of me. If you doubt it, let me walk in front of you. And you follow to see if any animal dares stand his ground. The tiger consented and went with the fox nose to heels. Every animal that saw them fled. Amazed and agreeing that the fox was, was the leader of all the animals, the tiger went on his way. And there you have it. That was the tiger behind the fox. And what's really cool about the, this story is that um, it just goes to show how rich and deep the Mandarin language is. And just to give you a little bit of a background about the about Mandarin, I speak Mandarin. I'm a you know, I speak it fluently. I've been learning Mandarin and speaking it for several years now. And they have these idiomatic expressions called cheng yu. And a cheng yu happens to be a four-syllable expression. And they come from stories like this. They, they all come from some sort of like Confucian era type of story. Well, not all of them are stories, but I'll, but I'll, quite a number of them are. There are thousands of them, actually. So I can't say I know all of them. There's many. Now, a cheng yu is something that at least I was taught by my Chinese teacher. I was introduced to, to them maybe around my second year of learning Chinese, like two, two and a half years into learning it. can't remember now, but um, yeah, there's a lot of them like that. So um, yeah, the... The tiger behind the fox comes from one called Hu. It's called a Hu Jia Hu Wei. And Hu Jia Hu Wei just really means um, the tiger behind the fox. It doesn't have a flat meaning behind it. But anyway, I can I can ramble on and on about languages because I I love languages so much. But um, anyway, I hope you enjoy that one. I'm going to go ahead and get into a really interesting type of Chinese folk story. Now, this is something that's uh, universal. And after I read this, I'm going to go ahead and give you some references to this a little bit. So the next one, I'm gonna, we're going to go ahead and dive into ghost stories. I'm going to read one last short story for you on this theme of Chinese folklore. And this story is called The Truth About Ghost. Not a really, it's not a really scary story, but it's really cool. So here it is. Cheng Sai Heng of my city was 60 years old. A gentle, genial, and humorous man. He was walking a day's end on the outskirts of the city when he saw two men carrying a fire and a lantern. He tried to light his pipe from, from the fire, but could not manage it. One of the men said to him, have you passed your first post-mortem term this week? Amazed, Chen replies simply, Not yet. 
That explains it, said the man. Your sun time spirits are not yet used up, so the shade time fire won't give you a light. Realizing that he was speaking with the dead, Chun pretended to be one also. The world claims that men fear ghosts. Is that true? He asked them. Not at all, replied one of the ghosts. The truth is that ghosts fear men. What is it about men that can frighten a ghost? Asked Chin. Saliva. At once, Chin took a deep breath and spat at them. He spat at the two ghosts, retreated three paces. Glaring, they said angrily, Then you are not a ghost? Chun laughed. In fact, not to deceive you, I am a man who was near to a ghost. Near enough to spit on you. This he did again. And each ghost contracted to half its former size. He spat a third time and they vanished. So there is ghost stories. Ghost stories are very common in uh, Asian folklore. In fact, they're common in all folklore, really. But I do love Asian ghost stories. In fact, some of my favorite films to watch are Asian ghost stories. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to recommend four for you to watch now. So the four I'm going to tell you about <clears throat> happen to come from the Japanese culture, the Chinese culture, and the Thai culture. And these stories uh, have a folklore background to them, just like the one I just read. I think that would, I think the that story I just read would make a fantastic movie, like a short film. Maybe I might have to make it one day. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so the first film I want to talk about a little bit is called, um, it's called Yugetsu. And Yugetsu comes from some old stories called, uh, I think it's called like Stories of Wind and Rain or I can't remember. I mean, I've seen the movie a dozen times. It's a, it's a film from the 1950s and it's about a potter during a Sengoku period in Japan. So the, the Sengoku period, it, it was the time where Japan was feudal. It was not a unified country and all the different territories were at war with, with one another. Is fighting all the time for territory. So this, uh, there's two families in the story. There's one one family where it's a, a man, his wife, and his, his child, his son. The man's a potter, and he's kind of obsessed with making money because he's a good dad. He wants to provide for his family, but he just wants to work all the time. And then the other family, it's a husband and wife, and the husband wants to be a samurai. And then the, the potter ends up kind of getting him i don't want to spoil it really but he gets into the world of the dead in the film and it sounds like a very scary film but this film came out in the early 50s and it was called one of the most beautiful films ever made it's a fantastic movie and i highly recommend it um sadly it's not widely available i did find a stream of it on youtube i don't think it had english subtitles because it's in japanese but it is uh, streaming on the Criterion channel. If you haven't uh, subscribed to that, I highly recommend it. The Criterion channel is a streaming network. I'm not advertising. I'm not getting paid to advertise, but I just want to uh, mention it, even though it sounds like I'm a commercial. 
So the Criterion Network, it's the Criterion Channel. What they do is they get hard to find films, classic films, really high respected art films, and it's on a streaming network. So it's kind of like Netflix for film geeks. Highly recommend it. So you can watch pretty much two of the movies I'm going to mention. So yeah, Ugetsu. It's spelled U-G-E-T-S-U. Fantastic film. And the next movie I'm going to mention is a little darker than that. It's also streaming on a Criterion Network. And that one is called Kuren Echo or Kuren Echo with an American accent. Kuren Echo. When in, Jap- in Japanese they say Kuren Echo. And Kuren Echo means black cat. And the title is such because the film is about two women also traveling during the Sengoku period during a time of war and they get attacked by a group of bandits and thus become vengeful ghosts and vengeful ghosts in Japanese are called yurei and yurei are it literally means like a doesn't really literally mean like vengeful spirit but it has like another like definition to it kind of like a um like a spirit that's like missing something basically you know but uh, yurei are very common to anyone who watches Japanese horror films. They're usually depicted as spirits with very pale skin. They're almost always female with long black hair that covers their face often. And they're, they're dressed in white because white is like the color of, you know, the, the world of the dead in Japanese, basically. So, yeah. Yeah, Kurtoneko and Yugetsu. I highly recommend those films. They're both in a Criterion Network. Um, I actually I own Kurtoneko, and I remember my significant other, my significant other, and I watched it. I think when we first started dating each other, and she really loved it. The first time though, she fell asleep. I don't see how anybody can fall asleep on it, but <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> and then the next film is a really interesting film that's a little bit more on like the melancholic side and it's called um nang nak and that was a film released in thailand in 1999 and that is uh to many thai people they say that's a true story and i'm going to read a little bit of the description of not the film but the legend because uh, of course the film was taken after the legend so this is one of those movies that's um it's in between what Kuroneko and Yugetsu can be. So it's a little bit on a, it's not very frightening. It's a little bit more, it's a little bit more sad, I guess. You know, the, it's about a husband who goes off to war and his wife is kind of like left behind, but I'm gonna go ahead and read the, the basic legend here. It's like a, found a Wikipedia on it. So I'm going to go ahead and read it just to do you the honors that you don't have to, Google it. (laughs) And the film is very close to what I'm going to read. So it's not going to spoil too much of it because this is just a basic legend. So, I mean, when the film was released in 1999, pretty much every Thai person knew the legend already. So, and the Thai people are really big into ghost stories. I've even had a friend of mine from Thailand tell, tell me a ghost story that was similar to this one. And when I mentioned the, um, the Nang Nak legend, he was like, yeah, that's something that we all talk about. I think that's so cool. So here's the legend. <clears throat> the story is about a beautiful young woman named Mai Nak who lived on the banks of the Phra Kanang Canal. Pardon my pronunciation, I do not speak Thai. 
Not yet. Okay. She lived on the Prakanang Canal and her undying love for her husband, Mak. With Bainat pregnant, Mak is conscripted and sent to war. In some versions of the story, is against the Shun tribe, while others are not specific, where he is seriously wounded. While he is being nursed back to health in central Bangkok, Mainak and their child both die during the conflict of childbirth. When Mok returns home, however, he finds his loving wife and child waiting for him. Neighbors who try to warn him that he is living with a ghost are all killed. One day as Mainak is preparing Nam Freak, with, uh, she drops a lime on the porch. In her haste to retrieve it, she stretches her arm to pick it up from the ground below. Mok sees it and at last realizes his wife is a ghost. Terrified, he tries to find a way to flee without alarming her. That night, Mok says he has to go downstairs to urinate. He then runs away into the night. Discovering her husband had fled, Minoc pursues him. Minoc sees her and can sees yeah, Mok sorry, Mok sees her and conceals himself behind a plumia, balsam vera. I don't know what that... Okay, here it says a knot bush. According to folklore, ghosts are afraid of the sticky, bloomy leaves. Mok then runs to the Wat Mahabat Temple. I mean, I'm probably butchering the pronunciation, excuse me. Mok then runs to the Wat Mahabat Temple, which a ghost cannot enter as it is a, it is a holy ground. In her grief, Mok terrorizes the people of Fra Kanang, furious at them for causing Mok to leave her. However, Monarch's ghost is captured by a powerful exorcist, confining her in an earthen jar. He throws it into the canal. And then it just goes on to say, there are different versions of the rest of the story. And one, an odd couple new to the Frong Kanang finds a jar while fishing. And another two fishermen dredge it up, dredge up the jar, knock us freed when they open it. So, yeah, it's, um, and then it says something, there's a shrine. Okay, it says, the shrine of Mainak stands next to the Klang Fra Kanang at Wat Mahabat, a large temple on Sui, off the Sunkabit Road on Nut Road. The shrine is a low, is a low building under large trees with a rope that encompasses the tree trunks. The main shrine has several minor shrines around it. Wow, that's so, so yeah, to, so to the Thai people, this is a, a real story. It's a true place. Pretty cool. Someday I will have to go there. Yeah. Anywho, so I don't know. I hope you enjoyed ghost stories. I can actually recommend one more before getting off. I did not want to make this uh, episode all about ghost films, but more about folklore, Asian folklore, but like it's easy to reference uh, films in, you know, modern folklore, I guess today. So the last film I'm going to, I'm going to mention is again, wait for it. It's on a criterion channel <laughs> and it's called Quidon. It's like uh, K W A I D A N. Quidon means like ghost story in Japanese. And it's a quite a long film from the sixties, but a very, very good film. I have not seen this film in probably about 
I'll say at least a year and a half. Love this movie. It's a, it's an anthology film too. It's about four different stories. All of them revolve around ghosts and spirits and things like that. But man, what a movie. Yeah, quite on. Watch it. Highly recommend that one as well. Yeah, anyway, um, this is going to be a pretty short episode. So every week I'm going to be doing this. I'm going to be reading a story. I'm not sure um, what I'm going to be reading in reading in the next episode, but I'm hoping that I will probably read some sort of Greek story. And then I'm going to dive into African folklore because not a lot of people know about African folklore. I love African folklore, especially reading about the Orishas in the Yoruban tradition. So I'll have to kind of come around and get, maybe I'll do that one next. I don't know yet, but we'll see. But anyway, I hope that you've enjoyed this and stay tuned for more. Subscribe if you haven't. Follow if you have not. So I'll see you next time on the far side at midnight and be well and love and prosperity, love and peace for everyone. Thanks. Okay, so one more time before I go, I want to thank everyone for listening, for all the listeners out there and people I've been talking to about this. Please uh, follow and share. Share this with other people you know. You know, share the Far Side of Midnight podcast. If anybody asks, what kind of podcast is it? Just say, yeah, it's just, just this guy who is kind of a uh, language nerd who loves mythology and folklore and talks about some cool stuff in metaphysics and spiritual and esoteric things. Anyway, um, that is it. So I'm going to be uploading another one this Saturday and then every Wednesday. Okay. So peace out, love and safety for everyone out there. And I will see you next time. All right. Thanks.